Chapter Thirty Two of Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Elizabeth Clett, Houston, Texas, June two thousand eight. Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl, written by herself, by Harriet Jacobs, written under the pseudonym Linda Brent. Chapter Thirty Two The Meeting of Mother and Daughter. When we arrived in New York, I was half crazed by the crowd of coachmen calling out, "'Carriage, ma'am!' We bargained with one to take us to Sullivan Street for twelve shillings. A burly Irishman stepped up and said, "'I'll take you for six shillings.' The reduction of half the price was an object to us, and we asked if he could take us right away. "'Troth and I will, ladies,' he replied. I noticed that the hackmen smiled at each other, and I inquired whether his conveyance was decent. "'Yes, it's decent it is, ma'am. Devil a bit would I be after taking ladies in a cab that was not decent. We gave him our checks. He went for the baggage, and soon reappeared, saying, This way, if you please, ladies. We followed, and found our trunks on a truck, and were invited to take our seats on them. We told him that that was not what we bargained for, and he must take the trunks off. He swore they should not be touched till we had paid him six shillings. In our situation it was not prudent to attract attention, and I was about to pay him what he required, when a man near by shook his head for me not to do it. After a great ado we got rid of the Irishman, and had our trunks fastened on a hack. We had been recommended to a boarding-house in Sullivan Street, and thither we drove. There Fanny and I separated. The Anti-Slavery Society provided a home for her, and I afterwards heard of her in prosperous circumstances. I sent for an old friend from my part of the country, who had for some time been doing business in New York. He came immediately. I told him I wanted to go to my daughter, and asked him to aid me in procuring an interview. I cautioned him not to let it be known to the family that I had just arrived from the South, because they supposed I had been at the North seven years. He told me there was a colored woman in Brooklyn who came from the same town I did, and I had better go to her house and have my daughter meet me there. I accepted the proposition thankfully, and he agreed to escort me to Brooklyn. We crossed Fulton Ferry, went up Myrtle Avenue, and stopped at the house he designated. I was just about to enter when two girls passed. My friend called my attention to them. I turned and recognized in the eldest, Sarah, the daughter of a woman who used to live with my grandmother, but who had left the South years ago. Surprised and rejoiced at this unexpected meeting, I threw my arms round her, and inquired concerning her mother. "'You take no notice of the other girl,' said my friend. I turned, and there stood my Ellen. I pressed her to my heart, then held her away from me to take a look at her. She had changed a good deal in the two years since I had parted from her. Signs of neglect could be discerned by eyes less observing than a mother's. My friend invited us all to go into the house, but Ellen said she had been sent on an errand, which she would do as quickly as possible, and go home and ask Mrs. Hobbs to let her come and see me. It was agreed that I should send for her the next day. Her companion, Sarah, hastened to tell her mother of my arrival. When I entered the house, I found the mistress of it absent, and I waited for her return. Before I saw her, I heard her saying, "'Where is Linda Brent? I used to know her father and mother.' Soon Sarah came with her mother. So there was quite a company of us, all from my grandmother's neighborhood. These friends gathered round me and questioned me eagerly. They laughed, they cried, and they shouted. They thanked God that I had got away from my persecutors and was safe on Long Island. It was a day of great excitement. How different from the silent days I had passed in my dreary den! 
The next morning was Sunday. My first waking thoughts were occupied with the note I was to send to Mrs. Hobbs, the lady with whom Ellen lived. That I had recently come into that vicinity was evident, otherwise I should have sooner inquired for my daughter. It would not do to let them know I had just arrived from the South, for that would involve the suspicion of my having been harboured there, and might bring trouble, if not ruin, on several people. I like a straightforward course, and am always reluctant to resort to subterfuge. As far as my ways have been crooked, I charge them all upon slavery. It was that system of violence and wrong which now left me no alternative but to enact a falsehood. I began my note by stating that I had recently arrived from Canada, and was very desirous to have my daughter come to see me. She came, and brought a message from Mrs. Hobbs, inviting me to her house, and assuring me that I need not have any fears. The conversation I had with my child did not leave my mind at ease. When I asked if she was well treated, she answered yes, but there was no heartiness in the tone, and it seemed to me that she said it from an unwillingness to have me troubled on her account. Before she left me, she asked very earnestly, "Mother." Will you take me to live with you?" It made me very sad to think I could not give her a home till I went to work and earned the means, and that might take me a long time. When she was placed with Mrs. Hobbs, the agreement was that she should be sent to school. She had been there two years, and was now nine years old, and she scarcely knew her letters. There was no excuse for this, for there were good public schools in Brooklyn to which she could have been sent without expense. She stayed with me till dark, and I went home with her. I was received in a friendly manner by the family, and all agreed in saying that Ellen was a useful, good girl. Mrs. Hobbs looked me coolly in the face, and said, "'I suppose you know that my cousin, Mr. Sands, has given her to my eldest daughter. She will make a nice waiting-maid for her when she grows up.' I did not answer a word. How could she, who knew by experience the strength of a mother's love, and who was perfectly aware of the relation Mr. Sands bore to my children? How could she look me in the face, while she thrust such a dagger into my heart? I was no longer surprised that they had kept her in such a state of ignorance. Mr. Hobbs had formerly been wealthy, but he had failed, and afterwards obtained a subordinate situation in the custom-house. Perhaps they expected to return to the South some day, and Ellen's knowledge was quite sufficient for a slave's condition. I was impatient to go to work and earn money, that I might change the uncertain position of my children. Mr. Sands had not kept his promise to emancipate them. I had also been deceived about Ellen. What security had I with regard to Benjamin? I felt that I had none. I returned to my friend's house in an uneasy state of mind. In order to protect my children it was necessary that I should own myself. I called myself free, and sometimes felt so, but I knew I was insecure. I sat down that night and wrote a civil letter to Dr. Flint, asking him to state the lowest terms on which he would sell me, and as I belonged by law to his daughter, I wrote to her also, making a similar request. Since my arrival at the North I had not been unmindful of my dear brother William. I had made diligent inquiries for him, and having heard of him in Boston I went thither. When I arrived there, I found he had gone to New Bedford. I wrote to that place and was informed that he had gone on a whaling voyage, and would not return for some months. I went back to New York to get employment near Ellen. I received an answer from Dr. Flint, which gave me no encouragement. He advised me to return and submit myself to my rightful owners, and then any request I might make would be granted. I lent this letter to a friend, who lost it, otherwise I would present a copy to my readers. End of chapter 32